Welcome to Lighthouse Chapel International, Columbus, Ohio. We invite you to discover the life-changing anointed Word of God as you listen to this message by Reverend Gilbert Asamoah. Reverend Gilbert Asamoah is a well-seasoned minister who serves as the General Overseer of the Raccoon Diocese in Lighthouse Chapel International, USA. Founded by Bishop Dag Heward Mills with over 1,800 branches worldwide. Join us for a life-changing experience as you listen to this message. May this evening not be any different, Lord. May the word, the ancient word, ever true, that continues to change us, continues to reform us, Lord. May it continue the good work it has begun in all of us, Lord. Yes, those here, those that will listen through the podcast, those that will connect through any other means, Father, we pray that may that work that has been begun in this house, the seed that has been planted, that continues to be watered, Lord, may it bear fruit in its season, Father. We say thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Are you ready for the word? Amen. Oh, come on, somebody. Let's welcome Reverend Gilbert somewhere. Amen. Hallelujah. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we are very grateful to you for life. Thank you for the breath of life in us. We acknowledge that it is you that has kept us till this hour. So we want to thank you for this opportunity to be in your presence and to hear your holy precious words. Holy Spirit, breathe the breath of life upon these words. May they keep us to remain faithful to the cause of Christ until the last breath in us. In the name of Jesus. Amen. We thank the Lord. We are going to continue on our series that we are preaching from Bishop's book, Spiritual Dangers. And the message is entitled, Ten Types of Duality. Amen. Amen. Ten Types of Duality. Jesus was very surprised at the Pharisees. And in Matthew 5.20, he said, Unless your righteousness exceeds that of the Pharisees, you will not see the kingdom of heaven. And these Pharisees were very, very stringent and perfect the you couldn't you couldn't um cite them on anything that they were missing but jesus said that they were following all the rules and doing all the things but they were missing the weightier matters of the law amen and in matthew 23 he called them woe unto you scribes pharisees hypocrites can you tell me some of the things jesus mentioned why he called them hypocrites we read a number of verses last week. And with, um, all right, somebody's giving you a cheat sheet. Yeah, but uh, not quite this verse, but it's in that passage. Some of the things that Jesus specifically mentioned that made he call them hypocrites. He was drawing a contrast, if you remember. He said that you clean the outside of what? The cup, but the inside is dirty. He also said that he said you are like white washed sepulchres or white washed graves that look very beautiful outside, 
but the inside is human rotten bones. Amen. And duality is uh, is referring to having an outward appearance that is very different from what is going on within the person. And it is an anomaly for a Christian to lead a dual life. Amen. It's, it is an anomaly because when you get born again, what has happened is that God has implanted the seed of the life of his son Jesus in us. And, and then, you know, the whole process of becoming born again is like you have made Jesus the Lord of your life. So, there are two kingdoms that are going to compete for control over your life. And we are supposed to grow into Christ, into the kingdom of God, that the nature of Christ becomes stronger and stronger in us. And then the, 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 the nature of the enemy, which we have been saved from, is supposed to dwindle. Hallelujah. But as we go through these ten types of duality, or you could call it ten examples or or, or um, appearances of duality that you see that the person has an appearance as a believer. Hallelujah. But then in another circle, they are a totally different person. So, so what we are hearing about is like, uh, is like um, we are insulating ourselves. We, we, are, we are injecting ourselves with the word of God that this ought not to be. Amen. Because in some places, it can easily become the normal lifestyle. One young man traveled to England, and um, you know uh, he he was my friend, and he said that he went to church, and in the church there was no young people in the church, and it's a huge cathedral, but only about seventeen people were in the church, and many of them were elderly people, and they 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 called him aside and said, young man. Um, do you have? Do you not have money? He was a student, and so he didn't have much money. But that was not the reason why he was in church. He's used to going to church. Do you get it? And these people called him aside and said, "We feel sorry for you, that all your fellow young people are out having a good time, and you are in church hanging out with us." <laughs> Amen. <laughs> and so he said that these elderly people actually gave him money to go to the the pubs. To, to go and have a, a, a night life because this is not the way it is supposed to be. Amen. Amen. Because keep in mind, these people, they felt that they've left, let, let this type of life, they've had their time and they have their turn. Now it is the turn of this young man to also blow time. And they were feeling sorry for him. Meanwhile, where he comes from, it's not like that. And so he found it very, a very strange place that, you know, I thought you'd be happy that as a young person like me, I am not out leading a wild life in, 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 uh, in town. But you see that, that the world has so much entered the church that now when you do what is the right normal thing a Christian should do, that rather looks odd. Amen. And so it means that the whole church has become a dual entity. Amen. And so that's why we are going through this series. What was the first one? I think we covered at least one. We are talking about ten types of duality. Separated and unequally yoked. Second Corinthians chapter 6. Let's start from verse 14. And we are going to read till verse 17. Second Corinthians chapter 6. Separated and unequally yoked. Separated and unequally yoked. 
do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Amen. So, here's the deal. I mean, that expression, you hear it a lot, but let's try to paint the image why that expression was used. Because you use animals, you yoke animals um, for carrying things, right? Like uh, camels and things like that. So, if you are, if you are, if you are using uh, camels or any type of animal to yoke them to carry a burden, they need to be of the same height, right? If you have one yoke, one uh, camel this tall and another one this tall, and you you put something across for them to carry, it's going to fall off. So 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 there has to be there has to be symmetry, right? There has to be uh, uh, um, equal equal size and equal shape and everything that will allow you to carry the thing. So so that concept to be equally yoked, right? It's like there's a type of agreement. And so he, that's where that apostle is drawing that analogy from that. When you are a believer, you are like a camel that has a height like this ceiling. And then an unbeliever, our unbeliever lifestyle is a camel this, this. And so how can you, these two work together? Do you get it? It is abnormal. And he's pointing it out. Say it again. It's unequal. Amen. So do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For then, then he begins to give a list of begins to give a list of words. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? And what communion has light with darkness? Next one. What accord has Christ with Belial? Or what part has a believer with an unbeliever? What does the 16 say? Or what agreement has the temple of God with idols? So now let's go back to uh, 14. I am making two lists. Do you get it? Because the words, you know, as you, as you can see, I, I'm somebody who likes words and, and, and what they convey. Because words carry a meaning. He's choosing his words deliberately. He says, what fellowship? So the first thing he mentions is the fellowship. There's something called fellowship, right? So fellowship... And then the next one is the communion. Fellowship, communion, okay? Next, next verse, accord. Or uh, another word is agreement, accord. Accord. Or part. I don't know Greek, but I suspect very strongly it could very well be the same Greek word because the word communion and fellowship is the same word in the Greek, kononia. So part. That's why when we are sharing the grave, we say participation, part. Okay? And then the last one in verse 16 is an agreement. Is that not so? So, he's saying that there are, there are things that are of the same kind that must have fellowship with each other, that must have what part with each other, that must have what communion with each other. And as a child of God, you have no business doubling yourself in certain things. Amen. So, here's the deal. Go back to verse 14. Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelief. For what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? So he said that a certain lifestyle is not consistent with the righteous lifestyle God has brought us in. Because you see, the Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21, it said, he who knew no sin, that is Christ Jesus, he who knew no sin, he was made sin for us, that we might become what? The righteousness of God in him. 
So God did an exchange program for us. That he took the one who was sinless and made him become sin. And then he exchanged our sin for his righteousness. And then he made us righteous. But what the devil didn't know that because God is almighty God, he can do that and still go back for his righteousness. So Christ came from, from, the, from the grave, became righteous. And before the devil could see it, Christ has regained his righteousness and also given us righteousness. The devil has been cheated twice. Do you get it? Because we were carrying sin. And because of that, the devil had the hold on us. Is that not so? Then Christ said, you know what? For a moment, I will pretend I am them. So Christ went there and took all the sins of everybody and put it on himself. So Christ became us. So the devil was happy that, okay, now I have him. Alright? Now, when God was done with the process, God took away our sin. Christ bore it all. Christ paid fully in hell. Christ came out of hell. And Christ came out righteous. And Christ ended up being righteous. And we are also righteous. So now, sin has no more dominion over us. Because actually what Christ dealt with was not just sin as in sins. As in, I've done something bad. It is actually the nature of sin. The sin nature. Because when people are committing sins, in the, with somebody, somebody who is not born again, when they are committing sins, the sins they are committing, they are committing out of their nature. Amen. It's like a mango tree giving uh, mango fruit. It is, the, it is coming from its essence. The very nature of it. Hallelujah. Do you get it? This is what Christ dealt with in the redemption. That after the redemption, sin doesn't have power over us. You, it, it is, we have to acknowledge, we have to, we have to actually um, confess and say what God has said. That sin has no more power over us. So that if, if we are practicing sin, it is not because the redemption has not worked. It is because we have not believed the word of God strong enough. Because the reality is that if we believe what God has already accomplished, we, we will be able to overcome it. Hallelujah. But Satan makes us feel that we, 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 are, we, we, are, we are weak. The Bible says, he said that he that is what weak should say they are what? Strong. Amen. Because that thing has already happened spiritually. But then by believing and confessing it, it will enter into our experience. Hallelujah. Alright. So, righteousness and lawlessness has nothing to, get, to, to do with each other. And then it says, what communion has light with darkness? When we become born again, what has happened is that God has separated us unto himself. When we, people lead a dual life, then it's like, in the one sense, they are separated. They are born again, they are separated. But then they are what? They are, even though they are separated, they are not working in that separation. Hallelujah. So, separated, but then unequally yoked. When something is separated, it means it is special. Like in your house, you can have a cup that you don't use for everyday use. It is separated. Right? Many people have um, plates and cups that are in there. What do you call that thing? China. You put it in the China for decoration. You would think it has no use. But wait till Bishop Daki what Mills comes to visit in the house. That thing that has never been used before, that day it will be used. Amen. Because that plate and that cup, it's special. It has been separated. Hallelujah. Because, see, when something is separated, it means that it is not for common everyday use. Hallelujah. Even when we are coming to church, what we wear to come to church on Sunday is not the same thing you used to take to work. I mean, of course, you don't have to. But 
uh, in American culture, it's even different. In England, you see that they are very formal. You get it. You you watch some of the things. You see that they are in suit. It's like that's the nature of the of the of the people. So so this separation is very important. Let's look at Romans uh, chapter twelve and verse one, because the dual the dual life is that a person who is separated, but they are unequally used. And the classic example is Samson, who was separated unto God by keeping his not drinking, keeping his hair on, because it was an instruction from childhood. But then he decided to go and take an unbeliever wife from the other country. Amen. I beseech you therefore, oh sorry, I meant to say Romans chapter 1 verse 1. Romans chapter 1 verse 1. That's where the word separated was used. Okay. And um, so that we'll move on to the, we are talking about 10 types of duality. We'll move on to the second one. Romans 1, 1. Paul, this is how Paul introduced himself. Paul, a born servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated to the gospel of God. Hallelujah. This ought to be our mindset, that I am separated to God. Amen. It's like a marriage. You see, there is a group of people, Brother Ishmael, you, you, you may have known a lot of ladies, Right? I mean, the way you are very friendly. I'm sure you 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 do. There are some there are some men who have a problem uh, with uh, uh, you know like being able to talk to women. Yeah, there are some who, who they can't mix and talk to women. But I don't think you will have that problem. <laughs> so you you might have have a group of uh, female friends, suitors, potentials. But then one day, you chose one of them. And you, you chose one of them and promised her that I will marry you. And then on an appointed day, you brought Teresa to the altar. And then you tied the knot. So that means that she's now what? Separated. She has been separated from who? From everybody else. Do you get it? That means she's special. This mindset is how we should see ourselves, how God sees us. And so, if somebody, like when we were at the University of Ghana, you know how students fool around all the time. There was, at the University of Ghana, there was a hall called Commonwealth Hall. And these guys, they can say the craziest things. Sometimes, uh, people will have their weddings on campus. And especially at Commonwealth Hall, you know, that place descends like a hill like that. So after the wedding, when people are taking pictures and then going, and, and then people will be standing in their hall and they will be shouting. You are a very selfish man. We are telling you, you are a very selfish man. I mean, like, like you have, especially if the lady is from campus, right? And the man is from outside. So the man doesn't know the culture or he doesn't know this. And he's like, why am I a selfish man? They, they say, this lady that you have taken to marry, she was on campus here, she was helping all of us. <laughs> and because of your greed, you have gone to collect a license that you can have her for yourself. So some, the friends of such a person should have to tell them, look, these people, they are only joking. Your, your wife was not doing any such thing on campus. Because if, if the person is for everybody else, then it's, it's like there's no special thing about it. Amen. This is the mindset that the, we are trying to get here. That we have to avoid duality because we belong to Christ. He has married us. Hallelujah. Second type of duality, spiritual 
and carnal. That the same person who is spiritual is also exhibiting carnality. You see, Apostle Paul, when he was praying for the uh, Ephesians, in the second Ephesians prayer, second Ephesians prayer, at some point he said that, I pray that Christ will dwell in your heart by faith. Maybe we should look at that scripture. Uh, Ephesians chapter 3, and let's start from verse 15. Second, the second type of duality. Maybe let's start from 14. The second type of duality is what? Spiritual and carnal. Which we should avoid. We, we, we should have a mind, the mind of Christ, to be spiritual and not entertain carnality. For this reason, I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He was praying for the Ephesians. Okay? From whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. That he will grant you according to what? The riches of his glory. Look at it. To be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. Now pause for a moment. Paul is making intercession for the Ephesians. Ephesians are, uh, if you look at the ministry of Paul in the Acts of the Apostles, it's one of the places he had great success. Do you get it? I believe he went from Athens to Corinth to Ephesus. In that order. And he actually stayed there for, if I'm not mistaken, two years. And had established the Ephesian church. In Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3, he said, God has blessed you with all spiritual blessings in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. But then by chapter 2, by chapter 3, he said, my heart desire, I am yearning strongly and praying. For what? For God to strengthen you with might through his spirit in the inner man. The whole success of the Christian life, your ability to lead the Christian life successfully and victoriously and not to be overcome by sin, not to be overcome from the things that we have been redeemed from, it comes from strengthening strength in our inner man. Because you see, the body is just a servant. It's just a slave. That will follow instructions if the inner man is strong enough. The order of God is that the, the spirit man, the, the, the innermost being, must be the master. Okay? And then the soul and the flesh just listen to instructions from the spirit man. But if you have, if you have a master who is weak and sick, do you get it? A master, somebody could be the, the prince or the king, but if he's weak and sick, then what you have is that other people who would in normal times take instruction from the master or the king will not rather be leading and dictating. Amen. So Paul is praying that, that they will have one strong spirit, which should be every believer's goal. The Lord, strengthen me with might in my innermost being by your spirit. Because when you have a very strong spirit, your flesh doesn't have control. Actually, your spirit dictates to the flesh. Hallelujah. And this is the this is the secret to the to the to the new creation life. This is the secret to the successful creation life, whereby duality will not be found among us, because the Christian life is supposed to be lived from the inward dwelling life of Christ coming out. In fact, it is not a life of self-effort of our own spiritual strength, but then we must be in touch with the life of Christ within us, and it's like the spirit of man now has become the dwelling place of God. Which is the scripture we didn't read. If we were to go, go all the way to 2 Corinthians 6 to 18, he said that you are the temple of the living God. Amen. So he says that God will what? Be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man. Verse 17. That Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. The King James says by faith. Through faith. 
that you be rooted and grounded in love. Christ to dwell in our hearts by faith. So you see, this thing is by faith. It's by believing. That you say, okay, Christ himself prayed and said that um, you know the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. So we give into the flesh. Look, Christ said that by the flesh they didn't win in Gethsemane. Hallelujah. In Gethsemane, when he was the flesh, he made that statement. But that statement is not a license that the flesh should take leadership role and, and that we, we use that as a cover. So Christ himself said the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. No, we need to pray that Christ will, first of all, he said, I am praying for you that what? Your inner man will be strengthened by God's spirit. What is the purpose of your inner man being strengthened by God's spirit? Because of who is coming to dwell there. Hallelujah. Because a strong inner man now can contain Christ. But how can Christ almighty God dwell in you? You see, that's the thing. That's the mistake we make. Because you look at yourself that me, like me, how can Christ dwell in me? No. He has redeemed you. You are no more a sinner. Satan wants to make you a sinner, but you are not. Your sins have been forgiven. Yeah, but I continue to practice some sins. No. Those practicing of some sins is not you. It is the old nature trying to come back, which you shouldn't allow. Hallelujah. You should tell yourself that I am an overcomer because in Christ I am an overcomer. You see, the more you, you agree with the word of God and what God says about you, the more it affirms and feeds your innermost spirit. And your spirit man feeds on the word of God. Your spirit man's food is the word of God. What God has said about your redemption, that he said that their sins I will remember no more. So if God is saying I remember no more, why is it that Satan is bringing it to your mind? Don't accept it. Satan's purpose is to what? Work you until you become weak. Hallelujah. Discourage you until you become weak. It's like a brother chasing a woman. Now, first you say, no, I'm not interested. And the brother will keep hammering and hammering. Finally, at the moment of weakness, she will say yes. The brother who knows what they are about. They will keep hammering and hammering. That's what Satan is doing. He's trying to hammer us down until he corners you to a place that you say, okay, okay, okay. So, so what? Then you give in to him. But then we need to stand our ground with, on the word of God, not on the basis of how we are feeling. Hallelujah. And so here is the, here is the deal. The secret to the successful Christian life is Christ dwelling in our hearts. How can he dwell in our hearts? By faith. So it is not based on our feelings. In the midst of our weakness, in the midst of our weakness, if only we can remember that Christ dwells in me, then you no longer fall back to your weakness. You say, Lord, you are here with me. I am counting on your strength. Hallelujah. So Christ dwells in us by faith. Let's um, jump and look at another scripture. We are talking about spiritual and carnal as the second type of duality. Romans chapter 8 and verse 7. Romans chapter 8 and verse 7. Okay, let's start from verse 5. Romans 8, 5. For those who live according to the flesh... Set their minds on the things of the flesh. Keep in mind that the apostle is writing to Christians. Amen. He's writing to Christians. If you start from verse 1, it says that therefore, there is, there is therefore now no condemnation for them that are in Christ Jesus. So he's talking to Christians. There's no condemnation. But then among believers, there are Christians who are what? Setting their mind on the flesh. It's a choice. It's a decision that you have to make. Amen. Ultimately, faith is a matter of choice. It's like, it's like you get bombarded with all these thoughts. 
it's not every thought that comes to your mind that is from God. And also, it's not every thought that comes to your mind that is your own thoughts. Did you know that? Your thoughts come to your mind that are Satan's thoughts. But you can decide whether you will dwell on those thoughts or whether you get rid of them. Like Martin Luther said that, Martin Luther made the statement that um, you cannot avoid birds. You cannot prevent birds from flying over your head. But you can prevent them from making their nest in your hair. Amen. I mean, for a bird to make their nest in your hair, you must actually stand still at a place where birds are and then maybe look like you are a tree to them. It will be very hard because a human being, by all means, you are going to breathe, you are going to move. Do you see? Because if it is a tree, it is standing still, probably has leaves, has some shade, and the birds will come and make a shade, a shade, uh, uh, their nest there. And for a human being, for birds to make their nest on you, it is like it's a deliberate, you have decided to be a tree for birds to make their nest on you. But you cannot avoid the birds flying over your head. You can't control that. And thoughts are like that. There are a lot of fleeting thoughts running through the, the, the atmosphere, trying to get into you and trying to have over, overpower you. Amen. A man of God said something that was surprising. He said that he went to visit a prison. And um, one of the people that were believers there in the prison, because people get born again in the prison. He was ministering to them, and, uh, and one of them said he needed prayer of deliverance. He said, I'm a believer, but I have a problem. So I need you to pray with me. And they, he took me to a small room for counseling. And the, and the person told him that uh, because before he became born again, he got sucked into some type of sexual cult. Do you get it? Uh, some so homosexual type of cult. And he said that he has become born again, but that thing, he still has those feelings. It still haunts him. But he said that the minister, the preacher, he said to him, so he said that as he was listening to the guy, as he was listening to the guy, he said that he, the preacher, started having those types of feelings. <laughs> it, it, it's, it's like it's coming to him. And so at a point, he told the, the, the guy, said, enough, I've had enough, stop. Because, you see, words carry spirit. There is spirit in words. And what the guy was sharing was beginning to minister to him. And, and the preacher said, I've never had those feelings ever in my life. But just listening to the guy recounting his story was beginning to affect him. And he said his mind and feelings began to change. So when he asked the guy to stop, then he began to resist the spirit and resist the thing. Hallelujah. I can tell you that if he didn't actively engage and stop it, before you know it, he will balance to the bathroom with the guy and something bad could have happened. <laughs> Do you see? This is how these things work. It's a spiritual world we are dealing with. But it's a question of what mind, with what mind. Because, you see, the mind is part of the soul. But the soul is the intermediate between the physical body and the spirit. It's like the Ghana, the Aflao, uh, uh, Ghana-Togo border. Do you get it? Before you go to Togo, you pass through the Aflao border. Now, if you are a government in a, in a, a government of Togo, and you see a lot of a lot of uh, soldiers, Ghanaian soldiers, lined up in the border, do you get it? Are you going to be happy with the situation? Because these soldiers that are, are near the border, they could easily spill over into Togo, and maybe they could be plotting a coup, invade the country. So you don't have to wait till they cross over to the Togo side. Before you get concerned, once they are on the border, 
they can spill over and something will happen. So, so the mind or the soul is the border between the physical flesh and the spirit. And so the secret to this avoiding duality and having a life, consistent Christian life, overcoming Christian life, is that you have to take control of your mind. Because if you don't take control of your mind and things get into your mind, it can easily spill into your spirit. Hallelujah. So those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh. But those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit. This is describing two types of Christians. Carnal Christians and spiritual Christians. And it's your choice. You determine where you want to be. Hallelujah. You determine what type of Christian you will be. Verse number six. To be carnally, for to be carnally minded is death. But to be spiritually minded is life and peace. You see, when we became believers, God gave us a life of potential. The life in Christ is abundant life. But it is like we've been brought to the entrance of an ocean. Do you get it? And how much of the life of Christ you would experience depends on how hungry you are. It's like a, it's like a parent who has finished preparing food. It's okay, go and bring a bowl. The size of your bowl determines what I will give you. Do you get it? There is more than enough to go around. And so here is the deal. You and I have your Christian life. The devil has no control and power over you only to the extent to which you let him. That's the deal. Hallelujah. Verse number 7. Because the carnal man is enmity against God. For it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So, when you are spiritual, you would avoid carnality. But when you are carnal, you are actually an enemy of God. A person who is a child of God, but then because you have yielded to carnality, you have yielded to the weakness of the flesh, you become what? An enemy. God's pattern and plan is that he wants us to become launching pads for his glory. Earth is like a place God wants to colonize. Do you get it? And you know, recently there was something in the news about Ghanaians uh, striking, going on a litter about the so-called pact between the Ghana government and the U.S. I don't know whether you heard about it. Yes. Now, evidently, somebody sent me a WhatsApp, evidently that previous government have done the same thing, except that they didn't announce to the public. And then they also said that the government had not, in fact, agreed that they were going to make Ghana a premises. But... The reason why the Ghanaian people were anxious and they had some apprehension about it is that we don't, they didn't want their, their grounds to become a launching pad for another U.S. war against whom we don't know. Amen. But then what's happening is that that's exactly what God wants to make you and I. That God in heaven wants to make you a, a launching pad like you are in sync with him. And you are so much in sync with him that when God wants to affect earth, he, he, he's, he's doing it through you. Hallelujah. When you don't yield yourself to that purpose and you allow carnality to win over, then the scripture is saying that you have now become an enemy of God instead of becoming God's own friend. Hallelujah. So types of duality, number three. All right, mighty and weak. Mighty and weak. 
So the classic example is once again Samson. Because you see, let's look at Samson. Let's look at Judges chapter 7. Judges chapter 13 and verse 25. Judges chapter 13 and verse 25. describing something. It says, And the Spirit of the Lord began to move upon him at Mahanet than between Zorah and Estawol. If the Spirit of the Lord was moving upon, upon something, the Spirit of might was at work in him. Amen. But the same person having this type of day job in the night, he was sleeping around with the wrong person. Do you get it? So, so you see that he is mighty, but then he is also yielding to weakness. Amen. And so, this is a clear example of a dual life. That, and, and this, Samson's problem may not be your problem. Okay? Somebody, their problem is outburst of anger. Outburst of anger. That you can see a very nice Christian brother that everybody, you know, it's like the model, everybody would like to be him. Or everybody, every sister would like to marry him. But you don't know how he is like when his anger arises. That is also a type of duality. It's like strength, meekness is strength controlled. Amen. Moses was described as the meekest man on the earth. He was strong, but he didn't vent on everything. In fact, there's just a few instances Moses got angry. Amen. In fact, the very anger that the Israelites pushed him to get angry, that is what took him away from the promised land. When they vexed him so strongly, and he decided to hit the rock instead of speaking to the rock, when God has said, speak to the rock. But what I'm saying is that, you see, somebody can be mighty, can be very strong and mighty, but then, if you don't control your impulses, on an hour that you least expect, a weakness like you go so off and act in such an irrational and uh, uncontrollable way that before you know it, it totally neutralizes and annuls all that you are known to be. Hallelujah. And so, the, the whole thing is that these things do not start in a day. And as you are talking about duality, Maybe you are not leading a dual life, but maybe there are traces of it in you. Amen. I mean, anger, for instance, if you don't control your anger, you could be easily be fired. Because one day you get angry at your boss. Do you get it? And give him some cheeky whatever, because you are angry with your boss. And so, the things you are able to conquer in small, small chunks, right? They rather build the type of person you are to become. And it will save you from another occasion when, if you had not trained and delivered yourself from that type of dual life, it would have destroyed your life. Amen. God is calling us that let's begin to look at our lives and begin to see any trace of something that is not Christ-like. And then the best person, he says, judge not that you be not judged. But it also says that is that judge yourself that you be not judged. Look, the best judge of you is you. 
that you can look at yourself and say, look, Lord, I need help in this area. And once you acknowledge that you are weak in an area and you call for God's help, he will never deny you. But then if you pretend that the problem is not a problem, like one man of God, Bishop said that the man of God was caught several times fornicating and he crossed over. You know how it is? Everything you tell yourself over and over again, you begin to believe it. Because faith comes by hearing. Amen. The, 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 you can have faith in anything if you keep hear, hearing it. So when he was confronted, can you believe what he said? He said, when I fornicate and after that I go and preach, that's when the anointing even uh, operates more. Such a person has crossed a certain line. May God help us and deliver us from such things. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's rise up. Commit yourself to God. Let's take out an offering. Father, in Jesus' name, we pray for your grace, your divine enablement, so that the life of Christ will come out in us and we will not lead dual lives. And we commit our gifts, our offerings to you, that you will bless it, multiply it. Let it bring honor to your name, through Jesus our Lord. Amen.